to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Bright lights, it's Angela. Great to be with you today. I so appreciate all of you being in the audience and what we can accomplish together as an architecting community. Today, I am going to answer a question from one of our listeners. Lexi says, is it possible to be confident but still have low self-esteem? Now, those are going to feel like maybe contradictory terms, And honestly, this is something I think of a lot because I feel like often in my own personal life, I'm living this weird polarity of too much, not enough, too much, not enough. And that there's this part of me that very much wants to be alone, doesn't feel comfortable going and pushing myself out into the world and asserting myself, especially when it comes to group dynamics. But on the other hand, there's this other part of me that is super passionate, that finds a way, that juggles a million things because I'm so determined to get them done and I can drill down to the most essential part of something so that I can do multiple things well instead of saying I'm too busy. Clearly, there are things I have accomplished in my life that I can point to as my street cred, if you will, right? So it's it's a real thing, Lexi, for sure. And it is something that we are going to be covering in just a few more days. I'm so excited at my stressless success vacation life workshop. If you have not gotten yourself in there, it is not too late. Go to architectingpodcast.com. It's free. Even if you aren't sure, you can actually make it live, although live will be very cool and you can ask me questions. You will get the replay if you sign up. So you'll still get the experience and the valuable content just by signing up, even if you aren't able to make it with us live. But if you're not signed up, you lose. If you want to explore this issue, these are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about. We're going to start with a meditation, and this isn't just about calming down or centering yourself. What we're really going to do with this meditation is focus on embodying ourselves and connecting our mind and bodies. A lot of creative people can get disconnected and it actually impedes your ability to get into flow state and makes it more likely that you will feel a lot of anxiety and your brain will run in loops and that that stress response will just keep feeding on itself. So we're going to work on that 
we're going to do some work on recognizing when we should say yes to things and when we should say no to things, how to know what really resonates. And, you know, sometimes you have to stretch yourself in order to grow and evolve. So saying yes might not feel comfortable. It's going to feel a lot safer to say no, but you need to push past that. And other times you're just in people-pleasing energy, which is not a good thing. And it's just sapping you and using up your bandwidth, but not really taking you where you need to go. So we're going to talk about Once you know the difference and you want to put a boundary in place, how to make that a clean boundary so that you are not emotionally triggered and feeling anger, guilt, and shame over trying to enforce the boundary, but rather you're being very honest, very direct, you're not going into a story, you're being clear, and you are establishing essentially the parameters around how you want to interact with people. The last thing that we're going to talk about is connecting more now that you can get into that place with what you really want, how you really see yourself five years from now, 10 years from now. And we're going to do an exercise to help you identify some quick fixes, like literally you can go to work the next day, which will be a Monday, and start doing this stuff. It's that easy, and it will build over time, but there's things you can do immediately, and those things are going to really take you next level. So we talk about stressless success, both of those things coming together so that your life and your work feel integrated, not compartmentalized, because the more you try to keep them compartmentalized, the more friction that starts to happen in today's world where things are much more fluid and hybridized. If this sounds good to you, if you want to more deeply explore some of these questions, including today's question from Lexi, one of our listeners, about that duality between confidence and self-esteem, make sure you go to architectingpodcast.com and sign yourself up. Don't miss this opportunity. This is going to be so, so good. So getting back to this question, let's start by unpacking what is confidence and what is self-esteem. Well, when we look at how we define those things, it starts to get a lot easier. So confidence is about outward-facing aspects of your personality. It's being able to appreciate and trust your abilities. We know that we're good at doing something if we can do it easily, if others come to us and ask us for help, if we've received any level of recognition for doing that thing. We know because we have both experienced successful completion of tasks or initiatives and heard validation from other people and possibly even checked some boxes, hit some milestones, won some awards or recognition. 
that we have a certain skill set and abilities. So we don't question that. Confidence is feeling that you can deliver on commitments because you know you can do this. So even if you don't know how you're going to do it, you trust you can figure it out. Confidence is the ability to be confidence is the ability to be adaptable and flexible. If I don't really know how to cook, let's use this analogy. Let's say cornbread and I go online and I find a recipe, I'm going to follow that recipe to a T, right? I am going to measure everything out. I'm not going to do a single thing different than exactly what the recipe says. So I am not going to be adaptable or flexible in making that cornbread. On the other hand, if I have made cornbread five times, ten times, I might say, you know, I think I want jalapeno cornbread or cheesy cornbread or I want to make some honey butter for my cornbread or I want to bake my cornbread in, you know, muffin tins this time instead of as bread. So now I have a lot more adaptability and flexibility with what I'm doing with the recipe because I have confidence that I can do this and that I understand enough about how the recipe works that I can tweak it and still get a successful result. Different, of course, than the original recipe, but still getting me the answer I want at the end. That's confidence, right? Because you understand the system, you know you understand it, you have command of the information, so you can make adjustments as you go, and they don't throw you off guard. You know what you're doing. Confidence is also around not being afraid to make a mistake. If I'm an expert, I don't have to prove myself. So if I make a mistake, I'm not going into this spiral of, oh my God, what will they think? I'll just say, oh, well, we'll just make an adjustment. Sorry about that. And keep going and not even think about it again. Because I don't doubt my ability and I don't expect other people to either. You know, kind of the corollary to that is I don't judge other people. Because we often look at the world from the vantage point of where we are. So if I'm confident, I expect... And I look for ways that other people are also confident. If someone does make a mistake or maybe become emotionally triggered in a situation or does something inappropriate, I'm more likely as a confident person to be able to see their action as a momentary, isolated thing to give them the benefit of the doubt to look more at the overall context of what they are doing and be in a much better place to say, was this a mistake or is this actually a true statement of how they are all the time? So not judging people, I'm better able to exercise discernment. And I also, if I'm confident, I can ask for help and I'm not afraid to delegate. When we're not confident, 
we feel like we have to perfect everything we do before we can show it to anyone. So we hold things very close to our chest very tightly and only share when we feel like it's quote unquote good enough. Well, guess what that means? We're losing out on the opportunity to do less work, to have failed early, to get the input early that would have saved us doing 10 options. Maybe we only needed to look at three. That would have let us co-create with others and therefore distribute the workload. And when you're confident, sure, nobody is going to do something the way you would do it. They might do it a better way. Or they might do it a way that's not as good, but that is going in a direction you hadn't thought of that now you can step in and take that idea further. So there's a lot of value to having confidence. Let's look then at what is self-esteem. Self-esteem is inward facing. It's that assessment emotionally and cognitively of your work. So you could already see a difference, right, between the ways you've proven yourself, so now you don't have to, versus what am I worth? How much self-respect do I have? How do I value myself? And a lot of times, self-esteem can be very tied to messages we heard as children things that our parents or teachers said to us, not just what's taught, but what's caught. It can be tied to how we've seen other people's situations play out and what we inferred from that. If you've ever been around young children, you understand that toddler logic or preschool, early school understanding of the world and the kinds of conclusions that get drawn are often a little bit skewed because the child just doesn't have the life experience to have perspective. When you were very young, some of the dots you connected might not make sense if you were to go back in time and experience those situations as an adult. But those conclusions that you drew formed a core understanding of how you think the world works and they got solidified into beliefs and the thing about beliefs is that we don't think about them we don't question them they become absolutes for us if people didn't pay attention to you enough if you got scolded for interrupting if you were told that we didn't want to play with you. I mean, I had this very, very uh, powerful, painful experience when I started first grade. This is a great story to illustrate the example. I had gone to preschool and kindergarten in this really different school environment that was very nurturing and very loving and very inclusive. And then I went to a different school for first grade. Well, that school also had a kindergarten and the majority of the kids in my class had gone to kindergarten at that school. So they had already formed friend groups before I got there. And 
they were not a very inclusive, friendly group. They were a very closed group, a very judgy group. And I found it was difficult to make friends. I also was a little out of sorts because my best, 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 best friend was not at this school with me. So I was completely alone. I knew nobody and nobody was being very friendly or reaching out to me. One of the things that the girls in the class liked to do was play jump rope. So you know how it goes. One person holds one end, the other person holds another end, and people take turns jumping through the rope doing different things. Well, this looked really interesting to me, but I had never done this before. So I didn't know how. And if you've ever tried to do this, you know that even to do basic jumping through the rope, takes a little bit of talent. It's different than when you're holding your own jump rope and making it go and jumping through it yourself. The way that it would work is that two people would take turns holding the rope and everybody else would get in the line. They'd go in turn. And if you missed, you had to hold the rope. Well, guess who ended up holding the rope all the time? Yeah, it didn't feel good because I wasn't going to get any better at jumping rope, standing there turning a rope. And they weren't willing to work with me to help me learn how to do it and say, we're going to suspend our usual process and we're going to just work on teaching you some basic skills till you get them well enough that there's a reasonable probability that when you jump through the rope, you're going to, at least most of the time, let's say 60% of the time, you're going to actually get through. So, okay, I was not good at jumping rope. We figured that out. But the message I got beyond jump rope was, you're not worth teaching. We don't really want to include you. You don't deserve to be part of our group. So it was very much tying into my self-esteem. Now, when you couple that with the fact that, and I know I've shared this story, I come from an immigrant family. I'm only a second-generation American. So even though my parents were born and raised here, they were very much of this pushing tiger mom, helicopter mom, Let's really push and drive for success. So even though they loved me a lot, I was always getting the message at home too that whatever I did, great, but now let's do more. So again, it was reinforcing this idea that inherently, intrinsically, just me as I was, wasn't enough. And yet, I would do all these things. I had all these skill sets. I could achieve all of these things. So I had confidence because I had abilities, but I didn't have high self-esteem. So maybe Lexi, you can relate to that. And some of the signs that you have low self-esteem are negative self-talk. Like in your own mind, are you always judging yourself? Do you run a story about everything so that when you think, for example, I, I'm going to go to this charity luncheon and network, instead of stopping there, 
and say, yeah, you know, I'm gonna show up, network. You take it further and you create a whole story about what it's gonna be like to be at this lunch event where people are there with colleagues and they're talking to each other and you're there by yourself and what it's going to be like to figure out what table to sit at and who's going to want you at their table and are they going to all talk to each other and ignore you so that you're not going to network? What if you see people you'd really like to introduce yourself to but they're always in a crowd of other people and you don't want to interrupt and go up to them so you can see how you don't you haven't even gone to this lunch you have no clue what is going to happen when you get there but you've already just at the thought of going created a whole story and who has the starring role in this story as the big loser that would be you if you catch yourself doing it And this is a practice, right? You're gonna do it. And you're gonna have to raise your consciousness around the fact that you do it. And you're gonna have to then be able to course correct. And the more aware you become, the quicker you will catch yourself. And the quicker you catch yourself, the sooner you can shut the story down and replace the thought with a positive thought. So that's an important step too, is that you don't just say, I'm gonna stop thinking a negative thought about my worth and value. You have to replace it with a positive thought so that there's not this vacuum here or the negative thought will come right back. You, It's sort of like pulling weeds. You've gotta crowd it out. It's a lot easier to keep a garden weed free when you've got a lot of other plants than when it's mostly dirt. Negative self-talk is a really, really easy way to see if you have low self-esteem and also to turn it around. Appreciating other people's skills is important because if you don't think you're worth very much, then other people feel threatening to you. And you don't have to be a jealous, nasty person to feel that way. It's just subtly, you have decided since you don't have worth that if they have skills that other people are noticing and you become lack-based in your thinking and assume that there's a limited amount of appreciation to go around, a limited amount of opportunity. If someone else is able to have their worth appreciated, that it will make it harder for you somehow. So it makes it harder to appreciate what other people can bring to the table because you view them in an adversarial way. And it doesn't mean you don't think well of them or that you're a gossip or anything like that. It's just internally. It's not even a fully conscious thought. You view yourself as always having to compete, always having to prove your worth. You're always looking for those opportunities to provide value because you don't believe that intrinsically, just by showing up, you have value. And that leads to the very next issue, which is 
You say yes to please others, not to please yourself. And that people-pleasing tendency is tied to the fact that you don't think in your deepest, deepest heart that people will love you unless you can do something for them. If you pick up the vibe that your kid's teacher would really love it if you could be room mother because they aren't getting any volunteers and somebody has to do it, even though you don't have time or interest, you'll say yes. If you pick up the vibe, something is really important to your boss, you'll take it on, even if it means you're working late hours because you want to please him or her rather than saying, is this aligned for me? And you can see this play out so often in the workplace. Um, We were just talking last week about a couple of employees that we have at GBBN who were very good at doing certain things that it took us a few years to realize they didn't actually want to do. But they were saying yes, because they could sense that the person offering them the opportunity valued that skill set. And in fact, they were able to do the thing well. And so then the person was trying to build an opportunity pipeline for them and mentor them and keep giving them those opportunities when in fact they were not aligned with what that particular person wanted to do. So now they were in this trap of, I'm really good at something I don't want to do. I got stuck by trying to say yes to make somebody else happy, but it's not making me happy. Catch yourself if you are doing that. Also, don't be so hard on yourself. Everybody is not good at everything. Don't only see your limitations. Don't only see the things that you can't do and use it to just beat yourself over the head about your worth and say, I should be able to do this or successful people can do this or this is why I'm not getting ahead. I promise you it's not why. The energy you bring to a situation is what draws people to you. When you are only focused on your worth, when you're super self-conscious, you're not bringing expansive, big energy. You're not bringing excitement that's gonna rub off on other people and build creative momentum. And that's what hurts you. It's not what you know. So be mindful when you start to look at what you can't do and make those things too important. If they truly are skill sets that you are interested, and that's important, let's underline and put that in bold, in cultivating, then yeah, maybe you're not good at it and you need to take a class or you need to work harder or you need to practice it more. But if they're not, accept that that's just not your zone of genius and that's okay when our self-esteem is higher we're also a lot more resilient because we don't catastrophize things 
It's not, oh my God, this horrible thing happened. Everyone thinks I'm a loser and they'll never want to work with me again. It's, oh, I did this thing wrong. What did I learn from it? Do I need to make amends in any way? How do I repair the situation? How do I learn? How do I grow? Let's move on. Instead, any failure, any disappointment, even change that you experience. So it might not have been anything you did. It might be changes to the situation, like the project got put on hold or you were asked to play a different role, or you're working with a different project manager than you're used to who has a different way of running the project. You will not want to embrace change if you don't have a lot of self-esteem built up because you, again, feel threatened by anything that's outside of what you know works because you don't want to make the mistake. You don't want to be caught out in some way. So Lexi, I hope that these thoughts can help you. I think that creative professionals are very, very much set up to experience this duality between confidence and self-esteem and that we probably all are a type in the first place that's attracting us to do this kind of work. And when you think about our educational system and the studio process and the crit process and the lopsided focus that is put on the studio class versus the other classes, we do get a lot of reinforcement of our already existing low self-esteem And we try to compensate for that by checking a lot of boxes and looking for the external validation because that builds our confidence. So we often feel stuck at these two extremes of having low self-esteem and needing to prove ourselves. And in that need to prove ourselves come across as abrasive or distant, or uncooperative, because we're using our confidence to push an issue so that our self-esteem can be protected. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this amazing question. This is what we needed to hear. I know Everyone in this community has struggled to some degree with this issue. And I would love it if you could share your own insights into this duality between confidence and self-esteem. You can write a post and tag Architecting Podcast on Instagram, or you can go to the Facebook page, Architecting, and leave your thoughts there, or the Architecting LinkedIn group. So there's lots of ways that you can share your story about this issue. And if you found the insights that I shared today to be valuable, please go to architectingpodcast.com or click the link in the show notes and sign up for the Stressless Success Workshop. This is going to be so, so good. 
we're gonna really drill much deeper into this issue than I did on the show today. And again, if you sign up, you'll get the replay and you'll be able to listen to it over and over again and really get this down. This is such an important thing to understand and to have a conscious awareness around because it's your game changer. More than chasing any credential, more than proving you can do something, is being in alignment with your confidence and your self-worth. Tell a friend about this podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, spread the love, subscribe, rate, review. All of that helps our audience to grow and more people to find us. And most important of all, do yourself a favor and sign up for my free Stressless Success Workshop. It's happening Sunday, June 5th. You don't want to miss it. Take care. Bye. for listening. You made it all the way to the end of the episode, which means you are committed to making yourself a priority so you can be empowered to do the work you were called to do in the world. How amazing is that? If you would like even more content just like this, please remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I would so appreciate it if you left an honest review too. Hey, I want you to know I'm here for you beyond the boundaries of this podcast. You can follow me on social media at Architecting Podcast or visit architectingpodcast.com to download some great free resources. Take care, everyone, and stay inspired. Mm-hmm.